Hello, and welcome back to Heartwork, the podcast all about love, relationships, dating, and the work of the heart. All that juicy stuff that goes on in the internal and personal side of our lives. That is what we're here to jump into. My name is Tom Lloyd. I'm your host, and man, do I have an interview for you here today. It's actually going to span the course of two episodes. It went so long, and all of it is gold, and so is the person on the other end of the interview. I think sometimes you just have a friend that the universe aligns, and it's just magical. And that is what I have with my friend Jenny Rose. She just understands the language of my heart and the other day it's funny i was in a contemplation and a meditation she came up in the inner screen of my mind and i got this really strong nudge to reach out to her and i'm so glad that i did because it turns out that she's actually working on the front lines of covid19 and it turns out i called her at the exact right time we had this amazing heart to heart about life and the world and love i told her about this project and i said you would be great on this show and i think you would love the project and she does love it and it's she's on the show and it's amazing and i'm just in awe at how the universe has kind of linked us up she has so much to share whenever i talk with her we talk for hours and When I think of her, I think of one of the most generous, giving, and joyful hearts on the planet. And because of that, it does not surprise me that she has an incredible experience in dating and relationships because Jenny is just somebody who is always putting her heart on the line. Time after time after time, she puts her heart out there and she has learned from it. She has learned so much from her heart and she's so good at talking about it. She's so good at letting you know where she's at but also where you're at in your relationship, where your heart is at and giving you some context. And it's one of the reasons I'm so excited to have her on the show, not only this week but next week. And I I don't have much else to say except for I just want to get into it. Let's get to the heart of it. Here is the first part of my dear friend Jenny Rose. Jenny, how are you? I'm so excited to be here. Like, like I'm banging on the table. I'm so yes, excited. Yes, why are you so excited? Um, well, first of all, when you invited me to do this, I felt like it was the exact right thing. It's the thing the world needed, and it's the thing that I needed, and it was going to be a big step for me, and because I was previously, like, really anxious. Really? I like to be... I, Why were you anxious? I do not like to be recorded. I don't like the sound oh. of my voice on recording. I don't allow people to take video of me. Typically, when someone video calls me, I will hang up and then call them back normally. And this, you know, pandemic is having people communicate really differently. And it's been a major shift for me. And I felt like being invited to do this podcast was sort of a moment of truth of like, I get to reconcile that. I also want to be anonymous, even though I know that you're going to use my name. I I think think like a big part of my journey is like getting cool with this, like removing the veil thing. And that's, Uh you know, my goal is to be really open with you. Cool. I mean, that's what I want. I did. I I did. I asked Evan if I had permission to talk about him. He said he assumed that I would, you know, so that's a yes. Cool. And um, 
I also think that like my parents are going to listen to this and, you know, we might talk about them. And I feel like I have to be willing to be vulnerable because when I listen to, you know, your podcast with Anita or with your mom or with Russ, like that vulnerability, those are where the gems are. That's where the gems really are. That's where people feel like, oh, this is someone, this is real. This, this uh-huh. relates to me. This, as a community, we need this so bad. And then listening yes, I to I love that. Podcast, I love hearing that people need it. <laughs> <laughs> listening to the podcast that you've already done um, really made me feel so much more comfortable and get excited about being here because I'm like, it's not just in my mind. Like, I think this is what the world needs and I have to trust that Tom's going to do it okay. It's like, wow, <laughs> listen to this. This is amazing. This is cool. exactly what I need. Hopefully other people that hear it feel the same way. And I've been sharing it with my friends. and telling Amazing. Thank you. I love that. So I'm excited to be here. I'm very excited to have you here as well. <laughs> um, so to start out, how would you like to be framed since people can't really see you necessarily? Like, what is it that you want the world to know about you? Well, so I'm a healthcare professional and I work at like a big deal hospital. And, um, in I also, what city? what city in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, I also teach, I'm a college um, professor, lecturer, and, um, I don't want to talk about my job here, you know, and right now, obviously with what's going on in the world, there's like a lot that could be said, and I don't want to go into that. I'm not here to talk about that. Um, but because of all that, I'm so nervous. It makes me nervous to talk about things like love and sex and spirituality and religion and relationships and all this. Like, it's hard for me to talk about that in a public way where I know people are going to hear it. Um, and I really want to. So, um, so that's why I'm not going to try my job. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I told you earlier, I wish that I could do this anonymously, but I'm not. I don't, I'm going to just do it. Because okay. um, we've had great conversations and I'm the type of person that will open up and tell you anything one-on-one in a diner booth. Uh-huh. But then like the idea of that being recorded and listened to later is like, that would totally freak me out. That's not okay. <laughs> Uh-huh. So this is this is the time for me to reconcile those feelings. Okay. Um, is there anything else you want people to but, know about you? Yeah. So um, then, I mean, this is the time to be brave and whatever. So I'm bisexual. I'm polyamorous. I'm gender nonconforming. I'm a Gemini. I live in Los Angeles. I like to be outside. I like to crochet slippers. I live with my partner of three and a half years, a little more than that, with um, the two best cats in the world. They're like the most wonderful cats ever. We'll probably talk about cats. Um, And I am really excited to be here. So that's me. Well, thank you for being here, Jenny. Um, What would you label our connection as? Just I'm trying to let people label it if they... Mm -hmm. Sometimes people have a problem with labeling relationships, but go ahead, try to do it. Just try to put a label to it if you can. A label. Uh I think we are like friends from the heart, like really heart to heart connected friends. You are correct. That is why I asked you to be on this podcast. Yay. (laughs) We are friends. Um, But I would also say we've known each other for almost our whole lives. Yes. But we've probably become like very close only within the last few years. Mm-hmm. So on yeah. a, like, a deep heart level. Mm-hmm. So to take that even further, what is your first memory of me? And then the second question is, when did our hearts first connect? So go ahead. I have like a whole story, right? So okay, cool. like you said, we've known each other almost our whole lives. 
Um, and I can't pinpoint a very first memory of you, but what I, I remember like becoming really aware of you um, when I was probably in my early teens, like maybe less than like around 12 or so, um, between then and 16 during that time. Yeah, we, so we grew up um, in Ekinkar. So Ekinkar is, is um, when, when we were growing up, it was called the religion of the light and sound of God. It was. But now it's labeled the path of spiritual freedom, which I really love. And I think that that does a better job of describing what Ekinkar is. Um, and uh, our parents were members of this religion, still are. And we, as young people, grew up knowing each other because of that. And when I was entering my teen years, I was kind of moody and um, loner-ish and just kind of going through a lot and didn't i felt like an outsider and we have a mutual friend ronnie who um at the time recognized that and told me that she wanted me to be, get involved with what's called the ek youth and to me the ek youth were like the cool kids of ekinkar so you were part of that you were part of the cool kids of ekinkar ek youth and um <laughs> cool kids okay okay <laughs> and uh, I was a little resistant at first, but she was like, she brought me into the fold and you guys all made me feel so comfortable. And um, later, um, I remember us connecting a little more when you came out in, in Ekinkar, which I, I don't know if you might have come out in your personal life a long time before you came out in Ekinkar, but I did actually, came I came out of my personal life way before. Yeah. When you came out within the context of our religion, um, mm -hmm. it was really cool for me because I, I wondered at the time if you knew that I was queer. I wondered if you knew that there were others because I was also connected at the time with some other queer ec youth. And um, I wanted to hear your perspective of like, you know, why did it take you longer to come out in the context of your religion? I was struggling with some of the feelings of not being accepted for who I was within the context of, of religious community. So um, I really wanted to get to know you and connect with you over that. And I think that, that for me, that started me trying to get to know you better. And then the real turning point was when you turned 30. And you asked your friends to come up with a list of 30 questions for you for your 30th birthday. Oh, yeah. Um, or 30 things you wanted to know about Tom Lloyd. And I actually have that list with me now because I want to ask you some of those at the end when, when I, I get to ask you questions. Okay, but, yeah. Um, so I did it. And I, I felt really awkward doing it at the time because I didn't think we knew each other that well. And I thought you might be surprised that I was sending you a list of 30 things. But I did. And, um, and I remember... I I was actually in Chicago when I wrote the list and I was like in this like jazz bar and I was like taking notes in the dark, <laughs> writing this list of questions for, for Tom Lloyd. And, and I was like, I wonder how he's going to perceive this, but like, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to send him because I, I really want to be connected with him. Aww. And I sent you the list. And then later that month came and visited New York where you had recently moved. And we went to a diner and, we went through the list of questions and we didn't get to all of them, but, um, but it was really cool. Like I got to know you in a way that I never expected to. And um, ever since then, I feel like we see each other, you know. Yeah. And it's just straight from the heart. Other. I exactly. would say that as well. I love all hearing all of that. Um, so my first memory of you, I feel like, in my outlook on the landscape of my life in Ekinkar, you've always been there, mm -hmm. but probably really since we were 12. 
Mm-hmm. And just for people who don't know about Ekankar, one of the things that happens is that there are two like international convergences that happen every year. And so there are many of us who follow this teaching who know each other across the whole world. Mm-hmm. Who, and we've been meeting like twice a year for like our whole lives. And it's, right. re- it's actually really cool. And if you've ever been around the Ekankar community, you know, it's like, like the most loving, like juiciest, like love bath you've ever been to. And it's like, not like a weird love. It's like, a I want to pure... stop you real quick well, yeah. because when my, when I go to X seminars, my coworkers tell me, ask me, Oh, are you going to a love in? A so, love in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think like, I want to be careful to, to be clear that this is not like an orgy. This is not, yeah, no, it's, it's not, not a, like that. It's definitely not like that. It's just like people who are really heart centric. Mm-hmm they're really heart centric and there's a bunch of different ways that people show that. And there's like a lot of hugging. And I feel like my first memory of you is just like this, like, I feel like in that context, you're like one of the most loving people ever. Like if you're anywhere around you, you're just like going to get a hug from Jenny (laughs) because you just are like so excited to be able to share love. So that's like always my memory of you just like always there ready to give a hug. And then Mm -hmm. I feel like the time that we first really connected like was at that diner Mm -hmm. and like where we like sat there for probably like four hours (laughs) you asked me all those questions and and we just like went and we just realized how much we had in common Mm -hmm. and it was almost like endless and I have to say that diner is like one of my favorite places in New York City because I remember when we were, we went to find that diner you were like you were like I always have wanted to drive through New York City and we were driving through <laughs> Manhattan and we found like a parking spot for like $70 or whatever it was and then we exactly. found that and we found that diner and that I go to that diner like almost every week like the whole staff knows me it's like one of my and it was because of like that conversation it like has opened up I bring so many people to that diner and it's like one of my like homes in New York City now and it's like because of that like intense connection uh, I can't wait to go back there with you yeah when I'm able to travel again yeah (laughs) whenever that is yeah I love that diner and we have definitely been connected since that moment Mm -hmm. okay well we've got that out of the way <laughs> it's um, not totally out of the way because at the end I'm going to tell your listeners some of the questions I asked you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, great, I love it. So where do we go from here? How is your heart today? That's the next question. Um, it's really full of love. I've had such an interesting weekend in the last the last few days have been really really interesting um, for me, and I'm learning so much. And, um, and I want to talk about that, if that's okay. I feel like it's taking it on a side tangent. No, Um, I mean, just you're on the front lines of COVID-19. Yeah, so I feel um, like that is such an interesting heart to be seeing and hearing from. So everyone wants it. I want to try to avoid talking about COVID-19, but, <laughs> um, well, can, I will yeah, say, I so, I, so I work at a hospital and I'm involved in direct patient care. And when I am, you know, there, when I'm at work, I'm all business and I, you know, might be going to a code and somebody's passing away and I'm the one that's there, you know, doing certain things. I don't want to go into too much detail. But anyway, just to be clear, like, is it you can you not talk about it? Or is it why don't you want to go into the detail? I don't 
really want to say what my specific job is. Okay. I usually get a lot of questions when I say what my specific job is, and I don't want to make that the focus of this. Cool. Um, anyway, but I am part of the code team. And okay. um, so I'm, I'm up close and personal when people die. Um, that's happening a lot. And let's be clear about that. But the other thing that's happening is because of that, you know, when I'm not at work, I really can't go anywhere. Like mm -hmm. I need to take social distancing to the max because I know that I'm in a place where I have exposure to COVID-19. Um, and I'm an extrovert and I generally hate being home. Like I, it's not that I hate my home. I've come a long way, but I used to go through times where I wouldn't be home for sometimes like months at a time. I think 45 days was an average amount of time that I would be away from home. Wow. Um, two years ago, I, I made it a goal to get more comfortable with being home. And I made a checklist of, that just said be home on it 21 times. It was this list that said be home 21 times. And I had 60 days to be home 21 times. So that was my goal. And I was a mess over it. Like I was like crying, trying to like force it. And I didn't succeed at making it home 21 times in 60 days, but I did get a lot better at being home during that process. And that was two years ago. And since then I've really worked hard on being comfortable being home. And I'm so grateful that I've done that work because now I really have no choice but to be home. And Evan, my, my partner is really an introvert and, um, He's very comfortable with being home, but he also is actually still working because he works in an essential job too. So he's really my only in-person social connection now. And he doesn't talk a lot, you know, he's real quiet. Mm -hmm. And I've been really, really struggling with feeling like, almost like very needy. Like I need him to be this everything for me now because I can't go out and see my friends. I can't go to my favorite cafes. You know, like you said, you go to that diner once a week. I have diners that I go to twice a week, you know, and there's more than one of them. <laughs> I, I can't go to my spots. I can't do stuff. And um, so meanwhile, I'm like buzzing around the house, you know, doing all these projects and cleaning and cooking and doing all this stuff that I really didn't have time to do before, but really also just doing it because I'm going crazy. And <laughs> I've been an emotional wreck. And I've, you know, had a lot of conversations with Evan about, you know, how do we make sure you get support too? during this time. Um, we'll talk about how we're polyamorous and he's got a boyfriend and I'm super grateful that he gets to see his boyfriend once a week because I think that that's a major point of stability in our life. But that's an aside. So, anyway, back to that. So Friday night was like, it was my first night off of work and I totally fell apart. You know, I was crying, like sobbing. And I was, you know, I just felt like I was so out of balance and I really want to be in balance. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that came up for Evan was that he wants to feel more accepted by me. Interesting. And I kind of was really surprised to hear that at the time because I feel like I completely accept him. And I think that a lot of people see me as this very accepting person. But I really listened to what he was saying and recognized that what was happening was that I wasn't showing acceptance to myself. Whoa. And, um, you know, I, I actually, in the list of questions from four years ago that I gave you, I said, you know, is RuPaul's Drag Race the best show on television? Yes or no? Hint, the answer is yes. Like, you have to say yes to that. That was the question. I don't think I said yes. <laughs> well, I didn't let you because I said it for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so... 
on on RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, he, he RuPaul often says like, how um how can what does he say? If you can't love yourself, how the hell are you gonna love anybody else? Can I get an amen? Right. Yes. So preach. I think that we all take that as this wisdom of the ages. Like we all know that you have to love yourself first in order to really love someone else. And it mm-hmm. never once occurred to me until Friday night that that extends past love to acceptance and to all of those other things. If you can't accept yourself, how do you really show acceptance to others? It's huge. I never got it. And and, and it's like it's this huge. huge, it was this huge thing that I have been figuring out more and more about over the weekend. This just happened Friday. It's Monday mm-hmm. now. So it's like this cascade of realizations. And I suddenly- And that's was where like, you're at. That This is why you're checking. That's where I'm at. And I love it. I was making this list of like ways in which I wasn't showing my self-acceptance and able to see how other people would pick up on that. And so yesterday I had a little video Zoom conference with some of our other mutual friends, Elsa, Kristen, Ashley, and um, they recommended the book Radical Self-Acceptance. So I just downloaded it on Kindle. I haven't started reading it, but we're going to read it together, me and Evan. So um, anyway, oh, so I'm feeling like so full of excitement about this because it's like, it's like, wow, like I can be such a better partner if I learn to accept myself. Oh my God, that's an opportunity for love. So Evan, your partner brought this up about you. No, he brought it. Well, he brought it up about himself that he wanted to feel more accepted. And I was thinking. By you well, or by himself? By me. He wanted me to accept him more. And I felt like I did already. I felt like Uh I already fully accept him because he's absolutely wonderful. And so so what triggered your thing about self-acceptance? Did he trigger that or did you? Well, I, I, first I asked him, I asked him, well, what does acceptance feel like? Um, What does it feel like to be accepted? And, you know, I, I had this whole bunch of questions I wanted to ask him and he hates it when I bombard him with questions, but I did. So I wanted to know. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I wanted to know what does it feel like to be accepted? What are the ways in which you don't feel accepted? What are the times in which you do feel accepted? What's the last time you felt accepted? You know, I had this whole list of questions. And of course, mm-hmm. when I do that, Evan goes totally silent. So mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't answer them. So that left it to me to answer them. So I'm like, well, let me try to answer those for myself. And then when I started to be like, what does it feel like to be accepted? When is the last time I felt accepted? What are things that make me not feel accepted? I was like, wow, the ways in which I am so hard on myself, the ways in which I feel like, you know, I'm almost like, I know that Evan struggles with sort of like, like a fear of failure. And, and I think that the ways in which I sometimes see myself as failing at my goals or my what I'm I don't know what I think I should be I like my standard for myself I I think I'm failing at meeting my standard for myself that that must really exacerbate his fear of failure when he sees me being so hard on myself and so I'm like oh I get how you might not feel accepted by me because I'm clearly not showing myself the acceptance that you need to be shown and you know this is an incredible breakthrough Jenny it was huge so I just want to tell everybody and when I told Kristen and Elsie yesterday then they're like you have to tell Thomas and I was like I'm gonna tell Thomas thank you for saying I think it's so timely, actually, because, you know, even before this call, I was thinking a lot about 
this show and what is it it's about or what do people need? And one thing that, that keeps coming up is that the language of the heart is so much different than the language of the mind. And one of the things that I feel like is that there's just like a lot of maxims that are like corny and cliche mm-hmm. that are always said in the language of the heart, mm-hmm. which is, and one of them is this one that you're talking about, which is like, that yeah. you have to be able to love yourself to love right. somebody else. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, whatever. But you don't get it until you get it. Yeah. Like you can only mentally conceptualize that for so long until your heart actually gets it. And so I love that you said this. And I feel like I've been experiencing the same thing recently in some way. For some reason, I got tuned into this as well. And I was doing a spiritual exercise, which is something that we do in our teaching. It's basically just like a creative meditation, or an imaginative meditation. And I got this inspiration to just give myself the love that I'm giving to what's around me. Yeah. And it was intense, Jenny. It was so intense. And it's like, I feel like I have been on a self-love kick for a couple of years, but like Mm -hmm. doing that exercise where I really just gave myself love, or I was like treating myself like I treat a lover. And it was like, it was, it was ridiculous. I don't even know how to do it. It was like, it was, it's huge. This ability. I want to. How do you accept yourself? It's like, so. Shit. I want to, I want to share something else that really, I feel like um just like blew my mind. But anyway, so today I, I went back to our conversation where I originally sent you the list of 30 questions uh-huh. and I wanted to copy and paste it into my document of notes that I have. Okay. Um, <laughs> You're really teasing people with this list. Well, anyway, so the, the it wasn't questions for Tom Lloyd. The, the title is 30 things I want to learn from Tom Lloyd. Yes, Guess because what the was original numbers? exercise was just come up with a list, give it a title and have 30 points. Oh, see, I forgot that that was a question. Yeah. Right. So anyway, um, number six on the list, get this. Okay. I want to learn from Tom Lloyd more lessons about self-acceptance. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Uh-huh. <laughs> So I looked at that today and I'm just like, holy shit, like that's, that is the thing that, that I want to bring out when we're talking. So self-acceptance. Cool. And if you just taught me a lesson about self-acceptance right now, and you're like, love yourself. Well, I think it's you continual, part. you know, mm-hmm. there's, it's so funny because people will be like, they think that I am like so confident or that I like have accepted myself to like the nth degree. And it's not true. It's just not true there's always another level of it. Like maybe I, mm-hmm. I fill a certain space for people or I can, I can be a certain role model for some people. But, you know, I still have self-esteem things. I still have places that I'm not comfortable. You know, there's always another level of like self-acceptance, I think. I don't know. I feel like it's an ongoing, evolving process. It's ongoing like it's not just thing. one thing. Like, oh, Tom accepted himself however many years ago when you came out, you know, no, (laughs) you have to accept yourself every day and every minute. I've talked to you about this too, but it's like, to me, it's like coming out of the gay closet is way easier than coming out of the spiritual closet. Yes. Oh my God. Like coming to terms with the fact that I'm a spiritual being and being able to share that with people. Mm -hmm. That's like what to me way harder than something that I will like make out with boys. My God. But (laughs) you know, like though they're two different, and putting this 
podcast out is way harder than coming out of the closet to me. Maybe. I don't totally. know. I was thinking about how for me, like being out about bisexuality or polyamory or um, even even spirituality is easier for me than being out about being gender nonconforming. Mm. Um, and I have a really hard time talking about that and just sort of accepting it in myself. Like I have all kinds of feelings about what it means and whether it's okay and how I'm allowed to present and things like that. As one does. Is there something that you want to share about that and how um, it relates to the heart and to love? Or well, do you have pronouns that you want to give us to start that conversation? Definitely not. No, no. <laughs> no pronouns? Okay. No, I know. I like to use whatever pronouns people want to use with me, but I, I tend to not prefer gender neutral pronouns and I don't identify that way. Um, okay. But I recently, um, I think I read somewhere that gender non-conforming, you know, there's, there's gender identity and then there's gender presentation. Uh-huh. And my gender identity, I think, is female. Okay. I, th- I think, but I think it is. <laughs> um, but then my gender presentation isn't always. Okay. Um, and I think that, I think that it made me feel more comfortable to be able to separate those two things because um, I guess I feel like if I were to think that my gender identity were something other than female, that would make me a bad feminist or something, which I, I think is weird. But I, I have this sort of difficulty accepting that, you know, I maybe I think that if I don't accept that I'm female, that that's not self-accepting enough. So I have to accept it. <laughs> so convoluted but um but yeah so I feel like okay I can decide that yeah I'm female but I don't always present that way okay that's valid I love making space for that conversation so um, if you have questions about it I feel like I like I don't I don't know questions I feel like every I I know so many people who are Mm -hmm. and um everyone has a different story there's gender non-conforming and there's trans right and I feel like well, I think what I was learning is that they're different, that trans is a gender identity. You know, that's a difference with gender identity. You identify right. as something different than your side. Whereas a ju- conforming has to do with whether you behave or act or dress in a way that fits with societal expectations of your gender. Uh-huh. So I definitely do not feel that I am trans. You're not trans, I, yeah. I'm not trans, but I feel like I don't fit with society's typical um, expectations of women and that is something that I prefer cool and yeah you're gender non-conforming I guess, <laughs> yeah, I, guess I mean so. these are not easy spaces to to be comfortable in right um and I'm interested in that so we we're talking about self-acceptance mm-hmm. um because I think it's huge and one of the things that I've been running into in some of these conversations is being loved truly mm-hmm. is being accepted Yes. Like, yes. and not hiding yourself, not, and it, not trying to even be better. It's just having a partner that accepts you for who you are, for all the, the bad parts, the good parts, everything. And that, that's what I'm running into is what love is. Part of I, what love is. I have to say, um, listening to Anita's podcast, mm-hmm. what she said about what it was like to be in love, mm-hmm. it blew my mind. It blew me away. Right? Right? I, I was... You know, I guess I think more about like what, what your mom said, what, but when I think about being in love, I'm thinking, I, I talk about the other person. How do they make me feel? What, are, you know, mm-hmm. what do I feel when I look at them? What, what are they like? Like, I don't think about myself very much. And when Anita didn't mention the other person at all, it was all about 
how she behaves and how she feels and how, you know, it is for her. And I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. this is so true. All of that is true. That feels so true. Mm -hmm. I never thought about that. I never thought about, I I don't know. It just really made me think about my perspective about love. Yeah. Um, It was, it was so interesting for me to like realize that being in love, you don't have to define it by the other person. No, you don't. Okay. Let's go into what did love look like growing up for you? (laughs) Um, I feel self-conscious answering this question because I'm going to talk about my parents and Mm -hmm. they um, are probably listening to this. Okay. Um, Or or maybe they will. Um, But anyway, growing up, I never understood their relationship at all. Like I, you know, I never wanted to be like them. Um, Okay. And I think that most people that know my parents know that they love each other a lot and they have a very low conflict relationship and um, they are just such warm, loving people. They don't, you they know, are, fight. It wasn't, uh, there's I no can, abuse. I can attest. There's, they are adorable. There's nothing that you would think of as negative about their relationship. So I don't mean to like throw them under the bus and say, oh, their relationship was horrible. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not understand their relationship. I expected them to get a divorce any minute at any time growing up. I figured they were probably waiting for my sister and I to go to college to get a divorce. And I thought that that was going to happen. It didn't happen. They've been more married for almost 45 years. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I think this summer is going to be 45 years that they've been married. So wow. obviously they didn't get a divorce and I was wrong, but I never understood that. I didn't want to be like them. Um, when they said that their connection was on a spiritual level, I didn't understand that because they didn't share a bedroom. Um, I wanted passion. I wanted adventure. I wanted mutual respect. Um, I think that my parents probably do respect each other, but growing up, I didn't think that they did. Um, And I want to be able to be completely open with my partner, like the way that Anita described being in love. I didn't want anything to be taboo. I didn't want... Um, I didn't want to have to change my personality to fit what someone else wanted or fit into a mold. Um, So I think that my experience of love role models was really myself rebelling against what I thought my, my examples of love were growing up. And I wanted relationship anarchy. I wanted, amazing. I wanted nothing to be taboo. I wanted highs and lows. I wanted pleasure and pain. I wanted kink. I wanted, um, you know, I wanted to be this like pioneer that was reinventing what love looked like. Oh my God, Jenny. (laughs) I love you. uh, Now what I'm doing is like what everybody, you know, it's the thing now everybody's doing it, but. (laughs) And what is that? Can you describe what everyone is doing? I think that open relationships are a lot more common now. I think polyamory and ethical non-monogamy and figuring out what ethical non-monogamy means is a lot more common now. I think having um, kink in in relationships is a lot less taboo and not really subversive anymore, you know, and that, you know, it's great that people are really exploring that way. And I think it's, I think it's really wonderful because I think that it takes all kinds in life and that, you know, a lot of us don't fit into the mold of societal expectations and the more possibilities that are seen as options, the better, because nobody should feel like they're wrong for loving the way they love. I agree. I think it's amazing that your parents, whatever their relationship was, Mm -hmm just kind of showed you 
that you were something else. Yeah. And it's I, not I that love that. It's almost like, it's not that they had a bad relationship. <laughs> it's like, it's just like they presented you with what it wasn't for you. Mm-hmm. So it probably helped you propel yourself into mm-hmm. whatever you're in now. Mm-hmm. And also from the East Coast all the way to the West. What's interesting <laughs> is that my relationship now is so much more like my parents than I ever expected. Like I, you That's know, hilarious. I... Why? Well, why would you say that? I'm a lot like my dad. I think Evan's a lot like my mom. And um, and I think that having the perspective of thinking about what I didn't want from my parents' relationship has helped us have, have some really good conversations to kind of avoid the um, the traps that I didn't want to get into. But at the same time, I think that, you know, I can relate a lot more to the challenges that my parents had because I'm facing a lot of the same ones. And I can see why they made the choices they did. And um, I might still be making different ones but um you know I no longer don't get it I now feel like oh I kind of get it and you know we might have chosen different things but I get it now <laughs> that's pretty cool that is cool but we we do share a bedroom Evan and I and I'm really happy about that you I'm are so, happy about that <laughs> I, I would never want to not share a bedroom that's that's a big thing that <laughs> I'm against it's a big thing for, for me myself. too so talk to me about polyamory I feel like some people think that people who are polyamorous just kind of want to sleep around with everybody. But I feel like the root of those words even means something else. And give me an introduction into what that has looked like for you. So there's a couple like key concepts in polyamory that I can go over. So polyamory means many loves. and um, Which it, is different than necessarily many sex partners. Absolutely. And it's it talks about the ability to love more than one person at once. And I think that really we can all relate to that because say, you know, you have a partner and you have kids, like you love your kids and you love your partner, you love your friends, you, you know, there's, we all have the ability to love multiple people at once, but to truly, I, I want to plug the website, loveisrespect.org, right? Love, love, is, okay. love is respect. And to have more than one romantic love at the same time, it can be difficult to make sure that everybody is getting the respect that they deserve, that you are getting the self-respect that you deserve and that Mm. your partners are all getting the respect as full individuals and that they're not just there to fill a gap that, you know, you want someone else to have sex with or something. It's not about that. Um, And so the ability to have respectful ethical relationships with more than one person that you love at the same time is really challenging. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what polyamory is about is not just can you love more than one person, but can you really love them in a way that is loving? Can you be, can you respect them? Can you respect yourself? There's a concept in polyamory called compersion. And that means being basically happy at someone else that you love's happiness. So mm-hmm. if you see your partner happy with someone else, most people would feel jealousy. Mm-hmm. People that are successful in polyamory often feel joy at that. Recognizing that, you know, this is adding love to our connection. Um, you know, if what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? What's good for my partner, if this is really enriching their life, mm-hmm. then that's enriching my life. And it's good for us. So there's a lot of, it requires like sort of a platform of trust and to some degree independence. But I want to say it's really, really easy to screw it up. It's really easy I would agree. To, to, to go from what feels like multiple loving relationships to like 
this is too much for me to handle. I don't, I'm in over my head. Um, I am, my life is spinning out of control and it's way too much. And I went through that about four or five years, maybe five years ago. I went through a time where I was like, I, I'm doing too much. <laughs> doing too much. I'm doing too much. I know. And I feel like if I could chime in here about this, I mean, I feel like in the gay community, open relationships are like more and mm-hmm. more and more common and like mm-hmm. especially with gay ma- male marriages mm-hmm. like encountering a couple that is not open mm-hmm. like a married couple that's not open is like it feels like if they're not open you're almost more worried about them at right this point. <laughs> yeah but on that note, you know, and so many gay men are in open relationships. We, w- we wouldn't even call it polyamorous necessarily. I feel like mm-hmm. we use the term open relationships. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, a lot of times so- that can mean like I have this very solid loving relationship, but then I sleep around a lot. And I feel like I always am wondering with those contexts, are you really doing this in a healthy way? Are you using it as a way to just sleep around? Or are you, or is there really like more for you to explore? Because I feel like in my experience, it's like, can you handle one relationship? If you can't handle one relationship, opening up a relationship might not be the most healthy thing for you. Yeah, you know? totally. I, I think that I would label what you're describing as non-monogamy. Okay. And that if it's being done, you know, ethically, that I would call it ethical non-monogamy. And that that is, there's a lot of overlap with polyamory but it's not necessarily synonymous. Okay. Um, and I think that right now in my life, like I guess I'm practicing ethical non-monogamy because I'm only in one relationship and I see myself as polyamorous. I'm capable of having more than one loving relationship. But I also think that, like you said, like I want to get really good at the one relationship I'm in uh-huh. and make sure that I'm totally solid here and not try to... Um, augment it with something else does that make sense like i think a lot of people will use their other partners to fill in blanks with what's called their primary relationship and i Uh don't really think it's great to have primary and secondary relationships i think that um it's better to like maybe i prefer the term like a nesting partner if you're thinking of the some one person that's like your maybe your most significant relationship or that you live with but um, I don't love the idea of primary and secondary. Um, Giving and, a hierarchy or something. Right, love. exactly. Love uh, so I don't want to have, I don't want to fill in the blanks. And that means I don't want there to be blanks. I want my relationship to be fully fulfilling and not have blanks. I don't want to stay in a relationship that's not fully fulfilling because I can make Breach. it work because I'm filling in the blanks with someone else, right? That's yes. not cool. I love that. Say that again. You don't want to stay in a relationship because... I wouldn't want to stay in a relationship that's not fully serving me because I'm managing to make it work by filling in the blanks with other people. That is something I've done before, and it was oh a bad idea. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> and um, Dang, definitely... I have done the same. <laughs> I you know, have done I, the I'm same. not doing it now, thank God. Like, I really am... I learn a lot from making that mistake. I wonder, I feel like I've run into this where it's, and I've talked to you about it before, but it's like where people will be like, yeah, if you need to go see other people, see other people. And Mm -hmm. I will, like I'll be wanting to do, like the relationship will open up in some way. 
and then I feel I like I make it I try to make it clear to them that it's like they're like what's the big deal you're just sleeping with somebody and I'm like nope that's not what's happening with me mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's what you might be doing but if we're gonna open this up then that what what I will be doing is establishing like pretty strong connections with people right you, you have loving relationships yeah and I feel like that so maybe what you're is that I'm more into polyamory it's like I don't yeah. really like for me, it's not just, I can't, for the most part, I can't just do that. So if we're going to open up a relationship, that means that uh, you've got to be okay with my heart going into more places, right? which I'm fine with. But oftentimes the cases that they are not okay with, because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I'm just having sex with these people. And I'm like, yeah, that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay if you do that, right? because I can let you do that, but I'm not just going to be with you then. I feel like this is going to have to be a two-parter episode because we're going to go know. way longer than now. I know, but, I know. Um, uh, <laughs> but I want to, I want to like take that further. What you just said because I think sex can mean different things to different people. Absolutely, saw, it can. Oh my God, it can. I saw this really interesting graphic that sort of it showed two people in a sexual positions with each other and um, had all these words like intimacy and connection and. Um, safety and trust and all these words on the image like that for a lot of us myself included that sex means that feeling of connectedness that feeling of safety that feeling that it's working that I think having a healthy sex life is paramount in relationships because I think that um I for me everything comes from down after from there I'm explaining it poorly but I think that if you can't communicate about sex, then you're not communicating, right? You can't communicate. If you can't feel like your needs are being fulfilled, then your needs aren't being fulfilled. If you can't, you know, if you don't feel connected, then you're not connected. That Those are all bad things in a relationship. And maybe, you know, sex isn't the only way to feel connected. It's not the only important thing to communicate about. But if your sex life is unhealthy, then it probably means your relationship is unhealthy. And So I think that it's really, really important to put a lot of energy into a healthy sex life. And um, I feel like that isn't like, you know, when you have partners that are like, oh, well, you know, if we're not, if I'm not meeting your sexual needs enough, you should just go sleep with someone else. Well, it's like, well, maybe I shouldn't stay in this relationship with you then, because if you and I can't connect on all of these levels, Tom's making like a raising the roof. <laughs> I <laughs> right love now. it. Um, but if we can't connect on all of these levels, if we don't have intimacy, if we don't have trust, if we don't have communication, if we don't have this kind of connection, and sex doesn't have to mean sexual intercourse, right? It can mean so many things. It can be so many things. And, and I think that you can have a healthy relationship that doesn't include sexual intercourse if that works for you. But if you don't have all of the things that sex means to someone like me if you don't have trust intimacy connection communication etc then you don't have a healthy relationship and if you do have all of those things then why not have a healthy sex life too right here oh my god i love this because this is also (laughs) where i feel like why are you staying in that relationship i feel like a lot of people do this they'll Mm -hmm. open up a relationship because some part of the relationship is not working Mm-hmm. They want to hold on to some sense of love mm-hmm. or security or protection or mm-hmm. regularity. And they don't, they, it's almost like they're in a, they're trying to hold back. They're yeah. except, I feel like what they're actually, and I've done this, is you're accepting <laughs> less. You're right. accepting less love than what you are worth. 
than what you're giving out, than what you desire. And so you play it safe to try Mm -hmm. and save this corner of your life instead of being bold and Mm -hmm. being courageous and going out there and finding the love that you deserve. One thing I want to just like push back on a little bit is the idea that you have to go out there to find it. Because oftentimes... So oftentimes, you know, if we're already in these relationships that are getting us 80% of the way there, that we have to go in there and find it. We have to be vulnerable with our existing partners. We have to push and communicate really bravely about our actual needs within the context of our relationships. And I think that that's been something that it's a pitfall that I've fallen in where Mm. I, um, you know, because I want someone to love me, Mm -hmm. I don't want to push too much. And then I'm not really asking for what I really need. And I've been in a relationship that that since ended where, you know, I was afraid to ask for what I really, really needed from that person. And so I went out and got it elsewhere because, you know, with strangers, it was easier for me to just say, let's do this thing. <laughs> you know, let's do this thing that I can't ask my partner for. Right. Uh-huh. And, um, and my partner, who, you know, even though we were polyamorous and generally didn't have a lot of jealousy in a relationship, got really jealous that I was doing that. And I think it's because they picked up on the fact that I was having this part of my life that was closed off from them and that they weren't really being included in. And that's important for me that when I am in a loving, in a, in a partnership, because I look at relationships as partnerships, that my life is open to that person. And when you start closing off parts of yourself to your partner, that's when the relationship starts to die. And of course, when you start a relationship, you're going to start off with parts of yourself closed off. So you have to gradually open those parts. So it's not just dying in the beginning, right? You're gradually opening up. And then if you can continue to do that and keep yourself open, then you've got a, a really wonderful partnership. But then when you start to close off parts of yourself, or they do, then that's, to me, that feels like it's an emergency. Like that needs to be fixed. Otherwise, the relationship's going to die. I agree. And I feel like where I'm coming from is when you've already done that. Right. When you've, when you've, when you've already that, done that and then you go look elsewhere. You've, no. You've, a- you've asked and, and it's not there. It's not mm-hmm. within a relationship. Then you have so to be brave then, enough to leave. Yeah, you have to be brave enough to leave. And that can be really hard. Oh my God, yes. It's so hard, but it's so worth it, I think, mm-hmm. to do that. Oh my God, Jenny. <laughs> There's so much good stuff here. It's so good. You have so much to share. So much. I really have so much. It's so and good. You too. you too. And like, yeah, I think that, you know, if if we just do a two-parter or something, then that would make sense and then we yeah, can end I feel it. like i mean i feel like we're good for today and we are good for today we're gonna do like jenny suggests and split this interview up into two episodes the next episode will air next week i hope you tune in it is so juicy she's got so much more to share especially about love dynamics in relationships so i hope you tune in but there's already so much good stuff here i hope you found something of resonance or something that helped you some gem uh, that unlocked something for you Uh, i have a bunch of takeaways for myself and here they are in case you're interested number one anonymity is a thing and when people ask for our confidence uh when they share something that's personal it's really up to us to uphold that jenny did ask to remain anonymous in some ways and i did my best to respect that 
Um, even though some people might look to us like they're very confident and out there and comfortable with themselves, when they ask to hold something in confidence, it really is our best interest to do that because there may be uh, things in their life, either personally, professionally, or otherwise, that we just don't understand. So when people tell you things, uh, you know, respect it. I'm just grateful for what Jenny was able to share with us today. I hope you are too. Number two, if you are a really accepting person, the most accepting person, you accept yourself, you accept others, you accept everything, there is probably a great chance that you have more accepting to do. It is a process and it is never ending. Number three, ask yourself this question. What does it feel like to be accepted? Maybe take it into a contemplation or a meditation. Just sit with that question. I think it's such a great question to ask yourself. Number four, make a list of the ways that you don't accept yourself, especially if you are that accepting person. I think this is a great exercise and it might show you something that really unlocks something. Number five, if you aren't accepting yourself, if you are never meeting your own mark, if you're never meeting your own standards, if you always see yourself as failing, are you accepting yourself? And furthermore, how do you think others feel around you if this is how you treat yourself? It's huge. Oh my God. Number six, this is one of my favorites. If you keep asking your partner questions and pressing them and pressing them and pressing them and they eventually shut down, it might be a great idea to do what Jenny did and go ask those questions to yourself and answer them. There might be a huge breakthrough waiting for you like there was for Jenny. Number seven, There may be people in your life that you've known your whole life, but you haven't really opened up to them. And if you do open up to them, there might be a great gift waiting for you. That's what has happened with me and Jenny, and I am so happy that we found a moment to open up. I think this opportunity exists in every person's life, and so I would just say be open to it when it arrives. Number eight, Jenny mentioned a resource. It is a website called loveisrespect.org. The purpose of the website is to engage, educate, and empower young people to prevent and end abusive relationships. I checked it out. It is great. Even if you're not a young person or an abusive relationship, there is stuff there for you to look into and read. It's a great resource. And even if it's not for you, it could be for somebody that you know. Check it out. Number nine, there was a book mentioned. I haven't read it, but I've heard about it before. It's called Radical Self-Acceptance by Tara Brock. And the uh, subtitle is A Buddhist's Guide to Freeing Yourself from Shame. That sounds like something you need. Go ahead and order it. And last but not least, number 10. The answer isn't always going outside your relationship to fix something, either with with another lover or just leaving the relationship to go find somebody else. Sometimes what you're lacking and what's missing is in the relationship and the actual move to do is to lean into the relationship and see if you can get your needs met there first. 
So much good stuff from Jenny. That is all I've got for you today, but please tune in next week for the second half. We've only gone through half. There's so much more goodness coming. It blows my mind and opens my heart. So I really hope you enjoyed hearing from Jenny today. If you liked what you heard here today, we would love it if you shared that with a friend or the people around you. Go ahead, talk about it. Share the podcast with someone. You can text them the link. You can email them the link. You can play it up in your house for your quarantine mates, whatever. Any way that you can get the word out about this podcast to others you think would like it or love it would mean a great deal to me. I'm already grateful for it. And so thank you for doing that. If you want to stay personally connected, you can join the email list, which is on the website, uh, heartworkmovement.com, or you can follow along on the Facebook page, whatever works for you. I just want to make sure that you're connected however you want to be connected. Uh, And beyond that, I hope that you have a great week. I am sending you a whole bunch of love from my heart to your heart and do what you can, if you can, to spread a little bit more love in the world. It certainly needs it. Have a great week.